Pale kizu frakti juna mantili brondo su frakti juno susu pili kizu vele kilo krondo su frakti juna mahande. Oh, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Inspired by the Word times of devotion with the Lord. Right now, I'm going to be praying. I'd like to read our theme scripture. First Timothy 2. From verse 1, I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. This is a month of illumination, praise Lord. And we are praying. I like to read to us um, the, the directive from Pastor about how we should be praying in this season. Hallelujah. We are going to be praying, especially for the nations of the world as we've been doing that they be brought into alignment with the prophetic timing, plans, and purpose of God as delivered to us in the scriptures. With the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, we forbid, we overturn Satan's plans and agenda to control the governments and nations of the world before the time, for they are are not heated to giving into his hands, which shall be thereafter. Praise the Lord. Right now, let's begin to pray. Pray in line with this. We refuse to let the devil have this time. We forbid and overturn Satan's plans, hallelujah, to and his agenda to control the devil. Kindly unmute yourself right now. Thank 
Sekretaria, 
Yes, in the name of the Lord Jesus, the nations of the world belong to you, O God. Yes, hallelujah. And yes, the nations of the world, they are brought into alignment, O God, with your prophetic time in planning some purposes, O God. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Yes, the nations of the world, they do not act, O God, outside of your preview. But they act in alignment, O God. With every word of prophecy, O God. Every plan, every purpose, and for every plan of the devil, we forbid it. We overturn it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Their plans, their agenda of controls of the nations of the world. Yes, we cut them down in the name of Jesus. Those plans are futile in the name of the Lord Jesus. Oh, glory, 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 hallelujah. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, we've prayed. 
Amen. Hallelujah. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Inspired by the Word, Times of Devotion with the Lord. Hallelujah. I hope you are daily inspired by the Word. Thank you so much, esteemed Amarak, for the opportunity to always lead the saints of God in prayers. Hallelujah. Right now, we will be moving into the Rhapsody of Reality segment. Over to you, esteemed Amarak. Lord God, thou art with the heavens and the earth by thy great power. Our Lord God, thou art with the heavens and the earth by thy outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for you. Nothing is too difficult for thee. Great and mighty God, great and battle, mighty indeed, mighty indeed. Nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing, nothing is too difficult for thee. Our Lord God, that in the heavens and the earth by direct power. Our Lord God, that in the heavens and the earth by thine outstretched arms. Nothing is too difficult for thee. Nothing is too difficult for thee. Great and mighty God, great in battles, mighty indeed, mighty indeed. Nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing. Nothing is too difficult for thee. If you listen to the words of the song, I pray that it ministers to you. Because let me tell you something. When you are making impact in the realm of the spirit, the devil throws his best shot. So it seems like I'm praying and the more I'm praying, it seems like things, it seems, it seems like things are getting worse. My pastor, Pastor Chris, will say sometimes things get worse before they become better. And it is for a reason. Many of us just woke up, right? I don't know how many of you have observed that it's darkest when it's closest to morning. The night is darkest just when it's closest to morning. You can, you can try it. Try going out between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. before it begins to dawn and compared to between 12 a.m. and 3 a.m., you would observe that the night is darkest just before it is morning. So sometimes you have put in firepower, you put in your prayers, 
you're putting your all on the altar. You've sown sacrificial seeds. You've done, you've made your faith proclamations. You've had tonguing sessions, faith proclamation sessions. And then it seems like, ah, uh-uh. ah. It seems like it's getting bad. It seems like it's getting worse. The more I pray, the reason is because the devil is throwing his best shot. He sees that you are making impact in the realm of the spirit. See, when you get a response while you are praying, that is when when you get a, a response from the devil, when you are and involved in certain spiritual exercise, <laughs> intensify your efforts. It means you are making impact in the realm of the spirit. That song says, our Lord God, thou had made the heavens and the earth by thy great power. You made the heavens and the earth by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for you. Great and mighty God, great in battle, mighty indeed. Nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing. Nothing is too difficult for thee. This God that we sing about dwells on the inside of us. Nothing is difficult for us. Brothers and sisters, that thing that you say you will do, you will do it. No matter how angry the devil is with you. See, he may be, he, may, he does not like you, but there's nothing he can do about it. Let me tell you something. And that is why you should not be afraid of death. You should not be afraid of the devil. The devil doesn't like you. And if he could kill you, he would have killed you since the day you gave your life to Christ. The reason he has not killed you is because he cannot kill you. The Bible says that we have been translated into the kingdom of darkness that is into from, we have been translated from the kingdom of darkness that is from the kingdom of the devil, of death, of damnation into the kingdom of light. Remember that he said that the life was the light of men. So it is a kingdom of life. In this kingdom, the devil has no access to us except you want to give him access. The Bible says if you break the hedge, the serpent will strike and you break the hedge with your words. Job, people think that when they read the book of Job, people think that God was the one punishing Job. No, God, Job allowed for his punishment by the words of his mouth. If you read in Job, it says, I was, I was on my own. I didn't look for trouble, but trouble came. Job used his mouth to break the hedge. So all that the devil did with his life, he used his mouth to invite it. And this is why it matters what you're saying on a daily basis. We have the Pauline affirmation here. Many of you have the testimony, how the things have improved in your life because of the Pauline affirmation. Somebody was telling me that she became much more forgiving. She became much more tolerant, much more patient. Because we talk about how that we're patient and long-suffering. Every day we say these words. They are having a, a stronghold over our lives. We are becoming the very words that we say. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. It is my joy. I'm super excited to welcome you all to another day of devotion with our God. Hallelujah. The Bible says the word two or more of you are gathered in my name. There I am in your midst. The Lord is in our midst. The Lord is in our midst. He's here. Wow. Shakalabaya. 
I see that God wants to heal today. I don't know who that person is that is trusting God for healing. This is Brother Israel Osho online. Brother Israel, sir, please, if you're online, can you please raise your hand? Awesome. There's a song. There's a song. Um, he is here right now. I want you to just take it once. And as that song goes on, for somebody, the spirit of God is going to come upon you so strongly. You will not be able to sit. You go under the path. We're going to take this song once, and that's the healing song. You receive your healing now and now. Praise God. Over to you, Brother Israel. Easy. Right now, God is here. Right now, you don't need to be. You don't need to be. Is pausing on for to receive right now. The Lord is here.
Sister Ifoma, from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet, be made every week whole. In the name of the Lord Jesus. And everyone here who desired a miracle, you heard the words of the song. He's here to meet every need. And in that moment, God met every need. You can as well know that you have your testimony. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. I didn't plan that, but God wanted to visit us. And he has. Praise God. Today is Wednesday, 5th May, 2021, perfected forever in righteousness. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God, from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. Amazing, amazing, amazing. This opening scriptures is, you know, it just tells you that what we just did now is it. What we received, we received what is our right. He said, for by one offering, that is the offering of his life, he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. Hebrews 10, 12 to 14. I'm reading the Bible, the Rhapsody of Realities article for today, and it's on your screen. You can follow me. Blessed be God, the Lord Jesus offered the one supreme sacrifice for sin for all time. And by his one sacrifice, he perfected us forever. He made us perfect holy and complete for all time. How glorious that is. This isn't something we qualified for or achieved by ourselves. Jesus did it for us. He perfected us in righteousness and holiness of truth. That's what Paul refers to when he said in Ephesians 4.24, that you should put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Second Corinthians 5.21 says, For he had made him to be seen for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Never see yourself as unrighteous and imperfect. Christ is your perfection. You are perfect because the one who gave birth to you is perfect. Hebrews 2.11 declares, For both he that sanctifies and they who are sanctified are all, are all of one. You are like him. First John 4, 17 says, as he is, so are we in this world. Colossians 2, 10 says, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. The word complete also means perfected. You are perfected in him. Some have asked, doesn't Ephesians 4.12 talk about the perfecting of the saints, meaning that we are not yet perfect? No, that verse refers to the maturing or maturity of the saints. It means equipping or training the saints for the work of the ministry. It's like when a child is born, that child is perfectly as human 
human as the parents are. But the child needs to be trained and equipped with information, education, and strength to live a fully functional human life. That's what the Apostle Paul meant by the perfecting of the sense. Already, already you are and have the righteousness of God. But as you receive the word of God into your spirit, just like we're doing right now, you are being trained in the life of righteousness. You become more skillful in the doctrine, understanding and application of your righteousness in Christ. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Just before the, 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 the session started, I was listening to the message in, in the integrity of God's word. It's something we listened to last year, but it's, it's, it's a message series that I want, I want you to soak inside of me. I am, you know, certain times in your spiritual work with God, you must have a goal. I don't know what your goal is for this month. You can set a goal that, okay, in this month, I want to increase in my love work. You can set a goal and say, in this month, I want to understand the love of God more than ever before. When we say the Pauline affirmation, we talk about that God will communicate to us an understanding of the depth, the, the length, the height, and the width of God's love for us, that we would understand it. It can be your desire for the month. For me, I came into April with a hunger to 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 understand the word of God in a way that I can stake my life on it. You know, because just like we're reading today's Rhapsody, he's saying that it, the perfecting of the saints is the training and the maturity. When a child is born, you don't say that this child is 50% human because the child is a baby. No, the child is 100% human. But the child needs to be trained. The child needs to get better and better. You know, learn how to talk, learn how to walk, learn how to jump, learn how to do things for themselves. And that's the growth process in life. But the child is 100% human from the day it was born. And, you know, um, as I was listening, Pastor said something. It was a statement he made just before Pastor Debbie started the, the opening prayers. And then I had to post the message. He said that there, there, there are times when you are prayed. And he said that there are certain things that it's not prayer. He said, it's okay, you have prayed, but he said, use your mind. He said, there's a reason God gave us our mind. Use your mind. And you see, in different facets of life, there are certain things that we spend time praying about, but not taking action about. God gave you a mind for a reason. For instance, we went to school. You don't sit back in your dormitory and say, oh, I have passed. You wake up in the morning, you shower, you dress up, you go to class. What are you doing? You are using your mind. Yes, you are praying, but you don't pray that that thing that the teacher is teaching in the classroom will come into your head while you are in the, in the dormitory. You go to class, you listen, you imbibe the knowledge. But the Bible then tells us in Psalm 119 verse 109, he said, I have more understanding than my teachers. You know, so he's telling you that irrespective of what your teachers teach you, the spirit of God inside of you can give you more understanding. But he did not negate the fact that they are teachers. So there are principles to life that we must practice. So in this month, what do you want? What is your goal? Have you set a spiritual goal for yourself or is it just a financial goal you have? Is it just a business goal that you have? We're reading today about the perfection that we have experienced in Christ Jesus. When we started out and the spirit of God says, I'm going through, 
you know, he's he's one of the part of those um, the songs that he's he's walking through our mist. The Bible talks about the parambulation of the Holy Spirit. When you speak in tongues, what you actually activate. See, it's difficult for sickness to stay long in your body if you are a tongue speaker, if you are a tongue talker. It won't stay long. Learn to speak in tongues more often. If you have a health condition, of course, if you've been in this platform for long, we've shared certain many ways for you to deal with it. We talk about the affirmation. We talk about the breaking of the bread. But if you are a tongue talker, sickness will not stay for long. Because every time you speak in tongues, it's like a patrol guard that patrols the border of a country, looking out for, 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 for people who want to, you know, people who shouldn't be there, those who probably want to, you know, um, um, sneak into the country, maybe even terrorists. And then he takes them out. He ensures that the border is constantly protected because the country has to be protected. When you speak in tongues, the spirit of God, like that patrol guard, parambulates through your body. Then he takes out anything that shouldn't be there because his job is to ensure that your body dwells in health. Understand this and let it sink. The Holy Spirit came to live in you to make a success of your life. It is the major assignment that he was given. And your life in all ramification. So take advantage of that which you have and enjoy your life in Christ. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm going to hand over to Sister Joy at this moment for the further study and the Rhapsody Confession. Thank you so much, everybody. God bless you. Thank you so much, Ma. Good morning, everyone. Good afternoon. Amazing head. Okay. Thank you so much, Ma. Good morning, everyone. Good afternoon. Good evening, depending on where you are connecting from. I'm going to be taking the further study. We're reading from, excuse me, Philippians 3, 8 to 9. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Hebrews 10, 12 to 14, Amplified Classic. Whereas this one Christ, after he had offered a single sacrifice for our sins, that shall avail for all time, sat down at the right hand of God, then to wait until, until his enemies should be made a stool beneath his feet. For by a single offering, he has forever completely cleansed and perfected those who are consecrated and made holy. I'm going to be taking the confession now. It's displayed on the screen. You don't have to unmute your mic. Just repeat after me wherever you are. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And in union with him, I am reigning in life. What blessedness to be the expression of his righteousness and bear fruits of righteousness to the glory of his name. Blessed be God forever. Hallelujah. Praise God. 
Thank you so much, esteemed Sister Maka, for this opportunity. Right now, I would like to hand over to Brother Z to take us through the New Testament reading of the One Year Bible Plan. Thank you, everyone. Have a great day ahead. Thank you so much, Sister Joy. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Inspired by the Word Times of Devotion. Thank you so much, Sister Maka, for this amazing platform. Congratulations to everyone who has been consistent with the daily Bible reading plan. And today we are reading the book of John, chapter 2, from verse 1 to 25. And it reads, verse 1, Three days later, there was a wedding in the village of Canaan in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. Jesus and his disciples were guests also. When they started running low on wine at the wedding banquet, Jesus' mother told him, They are just about out of wine. Jesus said, Is that any of my business? Mother, yours or mine? This isn't my time. Don't push me. She went ahead anyway, telling the servants, Whatever he tells you, do it. Six stoneware water pots were there, used by the Jews for ritual washings. Each held 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus ordered the servants, fill the pots with water, and they filled them to the brim. Now fill your pitchers and take them to the hosts, Jesus said, and they did. When the host tasted the water that had become wine, he didn't know what had just happened, but the servants, of course, knew. He called out to the bridegroom, Everybody I know begins with their finest wines, and after the guests have had their fill, bring in the cheap stuff, but you have saved the best till now. This act in Canaan of Galilee was the first sign Jesus gave, the glimpse of his glory, and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum, along with his mother, brothers, and disciples, and stayed several days. The caption, tear down this temple. When the Passover feast, celebrated each spring by the Jews, was about to take place, Jesus traveled up to Jerusalem. He found the temple teeming with people selling cattle and sheep and doves. The lone sharks were also there in full strength. Jesus put together a whip out of strips of leather and chased them out of the temple, stampeding the sheep and cattle, upending the tables of the loan sharks, spilling coins left and right. He told the dove merchants, get your things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a shopping mall. That's when his disciples remembered the scripture. Zeal for your house consumes me. But the Jews were upset. They asked, what credentials can you present to justify this? Jesus answered, tear down this temple and in three days, I'll put it back together. They were indignant. It took 46 years to build this temple and you're going to rebuild it in three days. But Jesus wasn't talking about, he, but Jesus was talking about his body as the temple. Later, after he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered he had said this. They then put two and two together 
and believe both what was written in scriptures and what Jesus had said. During the time he was in Jerusalem, those days of the Passover feast, many people noticed the signs he was displaying and seeing they, posed, they pointed straight to God and seeing they pointed straight to God entrusted their lives to him. But Jesus didn't entrust his life to them. He knew them inside and out, knew how untrustworthy they were. He didn't need any help in seeing right through them. And may the Lord bless the reading of his word in our hearts. Thank you so much, everyone. Have a blessed day. I'll hand over to Brother John, who will take us through the Old Testament Bible reading plan. God bless you all. God bless you too, Brother Zier. Um, we're moving over to the Old Testament reading. And we're in 2 Samuel chapter 20. Yesterday, we, we saw how David returned back to um, Israel to his throne as the king of Israel after Absalom had died. Praise God. So we continue. Before I do, I want to say a big thank you to esteemed Sister Maka for this opportunity. From verse 1, just then a good for nothing named Sheba, son of Bikri, the Benjaminites, blew a blast on the ram's horn trumpet calling out, we've got nothing to do with David. There's no future for us with the son of Jesse. Let's get out of here, Israel. Head for your tents. So all the men of Israel deserted David and followed Sheba, son of Bikri. <laughs> but the men of Judah stayed, with, stayed committed, sticking with their king all the way from the Jordan to Jerusalem. When David arrived home in Jerusalem, the king took the 10 concubines he had left to watch the palace and placed them in seclusion under guard. He provided for their needs, but didn't visit them. They were virtual prisoners until they died, widows as long as they lived. The king ordered Amasa, muster the men of Judah for me in three days, then report in. Amasa went to carry out his orders, but he was late reporting back. So David told Abishai, Sheba's son of Bikri is going to hurt us, even worse than Absalom did. Take your master's servant and hunt him down before he gets holed up in some fortress city where we can't get to him. So under Abishai's command, all the best men, Joab's men and the Keratites, and the Pelletites left Jerusalem to hunt down Sheba, son of Bekri. They were near the border at Gibeon when Amasa came their way. Joab was wearing a tunic with a sheeted sword strapped on his waist, but the sword slipped out and fell to the ground. Joab greeted Amasa, how are you, brother? And took Amasa's beard in his right hand as if to kiss him. Amasa didn't notice the sword in Joab's other hand. Joab stuck him in the belly and his gut spewed to the ground. His second blow wasn't needed. He was dead. And Joab and his brother Abishai continued to chase Sheba 
son of Bikri. One of Joab's soldiers took up his post over the body and called out, Everyone who sides with Joab and supports David, follow Joab. Amasa was lying in a pool of blood in the middle of the road. The man realized that the whole army was going to stop and take a look. So he pulled Amasa's corpse off the road into the field and threw a blanket over him so he wouldn't collect spectators. As soon as he had gotten him off the road, the traffic flowed normally, following Joab in the chase after Sheba's son of Bikri. Sheba passed through all the tribes of Israel, as far as Abel, Beth, Maka. All the Bikrites clustered and followed him into the city. Joab's army arrived and laid siege to Sheba in Abel, Beth, Maka. They built a siege ramp up against the city's fortification. The plan was to knock down the wall. But a shrewd woman called out from the city, Listen, everybody, please tell Joab to come close so I can talk to him. When he had come, the woman said, Are you Joab? He said, I am. Then she said, Listen to what I have to say. He said, I'm listening. There's an old saying in these parts. If it's, if it's answers you want, come to Abel and get it straight. There are peaceful people here and reliable. And here you are, trying to tear down one of Israel's mother cities. Why would you want to mess with God's legacy like that? Job protested, believe me, you've got me all wrong. I'm not here to help, to hurt anyone or destroy anything. Not on your life. But a man from the healed country of Ephraim, Sheba, son of Bikri by name, voted against King David. Hand him over, him only, and we'll get out of here. The woman told Job, sounds good. His head will be tossed to you from the wall. The woman presented her strategy to the whole city, and they did it. They cut off the head of Sheba, son of Bikri, and tossed it down to Joab. He then blew a blast on the ram's horn trumpet, and the soldiers all went home. Joab returned to the king in Jerusalem. Joab was again commander of the whole army of Israel. Benaiah, son of Joeda, was over the Keratites and Pelitites. Adoniram, over the walk. Creeves, Jehoshaphat, son of Ahilud, was clerk. Shiva was historian. Zadok and Abiathar were priests. Ira, Ira the Jairite, was David's chaplain. Now move over to chapter 21. The caption, Famine and War. There was a famine in David's time. It went on year after year after year. Three years, David went to God seeking the reason. God said, this is because there is blood on Saul and his house from the time he massacred the Gibeonites. So the king called the Gibeonites together for consultation. The Gibeonites were not part of Israel. They were what was left of the Amorites and protected by a treaty with Israel. But Saul, a fanatic for the honor of Israel and Judah, tried to kill them all. David addressed the Gibeonites. What can I do for you? How can I compensate you so that you will bless God's legacy? Of land and people. The Gibeonites replied, We don't want any money from Saul and his family, and it's not up to us to put anyone in Israel to death. But David persisted, What are you saying I should do for you? Then they told the king, The man who tried to get rid of us, who schemed to wipe us off the map of Israel. Well, let seven of his sons be handed over to us to be executed, hang before God at Gibeah of Saul, the holy mountain. And David agreed, I will hand them over to you. King spared Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, 
the son of Saul, because of the promise David and Jonathan had spoken before God. But the king selected Ammon and Mephibosheth, the two sons, the two sons that Rizpah, daughter of Aiah, born, had born to Saul. It was the five sons that Saul's daughter, Merab, had born to Adriel, son of Basilai, the Meholatite. He turned them over to the Gibeonites, who hung them on the mountain before God. All seven died together. Harvest was just getting on the way, the beginning of the belly harvest, when they were executed. Rizbat, daughter of Aya, took rough bola and spread it out for herself on a rock from the beginning of the harvest until the heavy rain started. She kept the birds away from the bodies by day and the wild animals by night. David was told what she had done. This Rizbat, daughter of Aya, and concubine of Saul. He then went and got the remains of Saul and Jonathan, his son, from the leaders at Jabez Gilead, who had rescued them from the town square at Beth Shan, where the Philistines had hung them after striking them down at Gilboa. He gathered up their remains and brought them together with his dead seven bodies, with the dead bodies of the seven who had just been hanged. Bodies were taken back to the land of Benjamin and given a decent burial in the tomb of Kish, Saul's father. They did everything the king ordered to be done. That cleared things up. From then on, God responded to Israel's prayer for the land. War broke out again between the Philistines and Israel. David and his men went down to fight. David became exhausted. Ishbi Benor, a warrior, descended from Rapha with his spear, weighing nearly eight pounds and outfitted in brand new armor, announced that he would kill David. But Abishai, son of Zerah, came to the rescue, struck the Philistine and killed him. And David's men swore to him, no more fighting on the front lines for you. Don't snuff out the lamp of Israel. Hallelujah. Later, there was another skirmish with the Philistines of God, with at God. That time, Sibekai, the Hushatite, killed Saf, another of the warriors, descended from Rapha. At yet another battle with the Philistines at God. The Hanan, son of Jah, the weaver of Bethlehem, killed Goliath, the Gittite, whose spear was as big as a flagpole. Still, another fight broke out in Gath. There was a giant there with six fingers on his hands and six toes on his feet. Twenty-four fingers and toes. He was another of those descended from Rapha. He insulted Israel and Jonathan, son of Shimei, David's brother, killed him. These four were descended from Rapha in Gath, and they were all killed by David and his soldiers. Praise be unto God. And may the Lord bless the reading of his word. And I hand over to you, Brother Martins. Praise the Lord. Good morning. Thank you so much, Brother John. For this point, um, we're taking our formation. And our permission is on the, is going to be on the screen I'm from now. Praise the Lord. Okay. So the way we'll take our formation, we'll start by taking our names. My name is to say your name. I have the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of Christ. The next paragraph, I, your name, I'm granted according to the riches of the glory of Christ. The third paragraph, 
your name first, my love, I bounce more and more in knowledge and knowledge. At this point, I will kindly ask everyone to unmute their mics as we take our formation on the count of three. Please unmute your mics. One, two, and <laughs> Amen, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So we're going straight into the communion segment now. And I'm taking our text from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. I received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you. The Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take it, this is my body, which is broken for you. Please do the remembrance of me. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we thank you for the bread broken for the body of Christ that was broken for us. We declare in the name of the Lord Jesus, we have eternal life now. Our lives are hidden in Christ and God. We walk as God's righteousness. Thank you, Father. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Go ahead and break the bread and eat it. After the seminar, also, he took the cup when he had stopped, saying, This cup is in New Testament in my blood. This two years after you drink it, remembrance of me. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he comes. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you. We thank you for the cup, which is the New Testament in the blood of Christ. 
as we take this cup to declare the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That all things are working together for our good. We are well able and enabled by the Holy Spirit to carry out functions and fulfill them. Our hearts are knit with the Spirit of God. And every day we continually function by the Spirit. The wisdom of God is perfected in us by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, go ahead and take the cup. Oh, glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. At this point, I'll kindly hand over to your esteemed sister, Maka, once again. Thank you so much for the great opportunity. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you so much, um, esteemed Brother Martins, Brother John, Brother Doze, Sister Joy, and Pastor Deborah, our amazing co-host. Thank you, esteemed brother Israel, sir. You are so amazing. Thank you, sir, for that time of worship. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Today, um, so much has happened, you know. And um, I, I, I like when um, we, start, we read the Bible, you know, many things just come home. I don't know what came to your mind, you know, as we read today. Is there anyone who like to share? When we read the Bible, what 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 came to your mind? The first hand that goes up, what came to your mind? As in, what inspired you the most? I have two things I I, I noted down that got my attention as we read. You know, there are a lot, but I I, I just want to. Sister Adenike, you want to share? Okay. Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much, Sister Amaka, for this opportunity. Okay, so when um it was reading the the New Testament, it was reading from John, and it was reading about uh, how Jesus went to the wedding, <clears throat> and the spell got just dropped in my heart. I'm like, okay. This is a wedding that Jesus wasn't even invited, you know, like officially invited. And it was at that wedding and then the wine was running out. And look at what he did. It's, it's not just um, physical, it's, it's also spiritual. And what's dropping my heart is that there are so many marriages, especially these times that are going so sad, that so many marriages are going through troubling time. And it seems as though the wine is running out in such homes. It seems as though the wine is running out and everyone is just tired and wants to give it up on the marriage. And if Jesus could do something and produce the best of wine when, you know, the wine was running out and the wine he produced at that time is actually better than what they started with at that occasion. So it seems something who says that your marriage can keep getting better even as you run the even as the marriage goes on who says that it has to be the best who says that you can't bring in jesus because we're even talking about marriage of believers here who are invited jesus christ who jesus christ is the foundation of the marriage if he could do that for those who didn't invite him for a wedding how much more will he do for you as 
couples who are believers. Why don't you just invite Jesus to that marriage now? And it will make the wine even sweeter and better than you started. That was what um, came forward. Wow. Thank you so much. Wow, wow, wow. Wow, wow, wow. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Wow. What a revelation. Glory to God. And then that wine was made from death material, right? So from that terrible situation, Jesus produced sweet wine. So it doesn't matter what the situation is. Glory to God. Wow. I hope somebody receive that word glory to god you know sister denike has shared from the old new testament i just want to share the two takeouts from the old testament one of it was the fact that it matters to god how we treat other people if you've been here in the inspired by the word for a while you remember that there was a time we discussed how we treat other people and many of us took action um, God wasn't going to answer the prayers of the children of Israel because of something they had done to a people and, you know, I remember that when we had that moment when God was correcting us about how we treat other people, he, I remember that I said that that miracle that you are looking for may just be connected to it. And many people have had testimonies after then. And we have read it today again in the Bible. Then it was Deuteronomy chapter 15. I remember very well. Today we read it again in Second Samuel chapter 21 how the God refused to answer the prayers of his people because of how others, they had treated others. So um, this is the same God we're dealing with. The Bible says that God is, this, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In your, in your walk of faith, in your walk in your life, check how you treat other people. Check how you treat other people. It just means that how you treat other people can stand in the way of your answered prayers. Praise God. Then secondly, one of the things I observed was how that David's men easily killed giants because they had a leader who championed it. Remember that the whole of Israel was running away from Goliath, right? Then David came up and proved, proved, and proved that um, it is possible to take down a giant. And now we see a report given to us at the end of the 21st chapter of Second Samuel. And they began to name the different men in his team who took down giants. Even his nephew, his nephew also took down a giant. You know, what this means is as a leader, it matters that you champion causes. There's such a beautiful thing when your members see you do certain things and they can, you prove to them that it is possible and they can follow suit. So I believe that that particular part inspired us as leaders because virtually all of us on this platform, if not most of us are leaders and these things are there in the scripture for our inspiration and our instruction as well. Praise God, glory to God. I've had a great time today. Have you had a great time? Praise the Lord, we share the benediction at this moment and see you again tomorrow, same time. Thank you, Father. We go in the power of the Spirit and we return with testimonies because the word of God is working in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us unmute as we share the benediction. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit is with us now and forevermore. Amen.
Thank you very much, Sabaka. You are welcome. Thank you, ma. Thank you, ma. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.